Thank you all for coming today. My name is Nick Rowland. I'm one of the pastors of Grace Fellowship Church. Uh, we're going to start this morning. Uh, I'm going to read Psalm 131. A song of ascents of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord for this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, your servant David had a humble heart. And we pray this morning that we would have humble hearts too. Father, there are things that we do not know. There are things that we cannot know. There are things that you have hidden from us. That you, there are things that are only for you to know. And in your perfect wisdom and your perfect providence, this is one of those times. And I pray, Father, that we would be content today in who you are and how you have ordained your creation to, to be and to work, and that we would trust in you in all things. We would trust in you for the contentment of our own souls and not knowing we would trust in you for the contentment and understanding that your governance of your creation is perfect. And Father, we confess that in our flesh this is very, very hard. And without your help, we are unable to do that. So I pray that we would seek our comfort in you today. Uh, there is only one way for our hearts to be calmed. There is only one way for our souls to have peace in any of this, and that is to trust in you. Uh, Father, help us. Help us in this time. Help us in the normal daily affairs of our lives. Help us to trust that you are God, and your ways are perfect, your means are perfect, and that your care for us is perfect. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who is both Lord and Savior. Amen. We're going to sing a song right now called Glorious is Thy Name.
invite my brother, Jay Simon, to come up and speak to us. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good thing we receive in this life comes from God. Our job is to live in a constant state of gratitude for those good gifts. Through Ryan, every one of us received good things from God. It must be true or you wouldn't be here. My job this morning is to name just a few of those blessings and give glory to our Lord and Savior. These are the memories of the people of Grace Fellowship Church. We remember Ryan as an affectionate husband and a tender father and how excited he was when he first became a dad. One person shared how she met Ryan and Stephanie right around the time they were married. And soon after that, they found out that they were expecting Liana. This person said this, I remember how much Ryan was looking forward to her arrival. He wanted to hold any and every baby he could, that he could get his hands on at our church, of which there were many, the whole time saying he needed the practice. I honestly thought that once Liana arrived, nobody else was going to get to hold her. The same story could be told about the births of Selah and Gabriel. Of course, Ryan also became a father to Tanner and Madison. And those relationships had their difficulties, which is to be expected. But I've heard Stephanie and Tanner and Maddie all testify in their own way about how their bonds grew stronger in recent years. I wish I had time to say so much more about that. Young men in the church said that Ryan was approachable. He gave advice about manliness. He gave advice about manliness, healthy eating, and he encouraged them to wear suits. He didn't get to me on that one. He encouraged one man to pursue the young woman that he would later marry. His role at Silver Creek meant that many of the young men in our church had worked for him, and they shared how Ryan invested in them and taught them new skills. So many people mentioned Ryan's bear hugs, his smiles, and his hearty laugh that you could hear from the next room. He was, in many ways, the stereotypical gentle giant. Ryan was kind and friendly. And it was easy to believe that he was genuinely glad to see you. <clears throat> Ryan was very much a servant to others. He was quick to fix something for you, whether it was the car or the kitchen sink or to help you carry a giant mattress down a windy staircase. For many of us, he was our number one call when we found out we were in a pickle. I want to share one person's story that particularly embodies this willingness to serve. 
There was a time last spring when there were just three old people in our home, all over 80, one of whom could not move himself. The two old ladies, I want to pause and mention that it's one of the old ladies that wrote these words. This is not my description of the people involved in the story. The two old ladies did not have the physical strength to get him out of bed and transferred to his chair. So twice a day and sometimes three, Ryan would show up at our door and graciously perform the task. Us two old ladies knew that we could count on him to be there with no hesitation or complaint, and it was incredibly comforting. We remember his love of nutrition, weightlifting, and especially meat. How often do we hear him espouse the benefits of a carnivore diet? And watching his transformation the past few years made it impossible to argue with him. We'd watch him show up to church meals with his own container of some delicious meat. He would encourage others in their eating and offer gentle but persistent accountability. I got notes from people in the church about sous vide, grilling steaks, filleting fish, and smoking ribs, wings, pork butts, and briskets. And how he said, you can't just go by the temperature because you have have to actually feel that the meat is ready. He showed up at the Reed's house late one night with a fresh brisket because he heard that they had trimmed all the fat off theirs before cooking. One person boasted of how accomplished they felt when they beat Ryan in a rib cook-off. My family enjoyed one of Ryan and Stephanie's church meals so much that we hired them to cater the rehearsal dinner for our son's wedding this last summer. Speaking of food, he was also a big proponent of not eating. Fasting was a big part of his health transformation. Last January, he approached me about joining him in a 40-day fast. I thought that was insane. So I negotiated it down to 10 days with the goal that we would work our way up to 40. In spite of his healthy eating and his weightlifting, we'll remember that Ryan wasn't always the most natural athlete. We have memories of colliding with him in ultimate frisbee and flag football the feeling of taking his knee straight to your femur. More than one person remembers seeing him go over the handlebars of his mountain bike or watching this large man aggressively play kickball with tiny children hovering at his ankles. (laughs) And speaking of kickball, this year, for the first time, we almost got through an entire tournament without an injury to an aging former athlete until Ryan and Jason collided on the last play and Ryan tore up his knee. One of the Silver Creek guys told me of an occasion when Ryan was directing the guys on mowing and trimming at a new site. And as he's giving them the lay of the land, he says to watch out for all the dips and holes. And then he promptly steps in a hole and tumbles to the ground. He also one time dropped an entire tree on a bucket lift while his coworker was up in the air. Well, remember Ryan for his singing. One person said, I remember his exuberance as he lifted his voice to sing praises to the Lord and his diligence in learning the bass part. Another said he tried to sing with as much gusto as he could in the bass section every Wednesday night, even though he could never be as loud as Tony. Stephanie said she appreciated his efforts at singing parts, even if he was just a little off key. Ryan was our weatherman our techie sound system guy, and much more. God has been kind to us all by allowing us to have Ryan in our lives. And I'd like to add that I think God was kind to Ryan by giving him so many people who loved and cared for him.
especially the church he called home for eight years. I'll close with a passage from the Gospel of Matthew that someone asked me to share. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I had one job this morning, and I failed to do it, which was read the obituary, so I'm going to do that now. Ryan Peterson, a beloved husband, father, son, brother, friend, and churchman, passed away on October 14th, 2023, in Davenport, Iowa. Ryan was born on June 11th, 1985, in Rock Island, Illinois, to Jeff and Lori Peterson. He was united in marriage to Stephanie Bingham on September 18th, 2016 in Davenport, Iowa. In lieu of floral offerings or planting a tree in memory of Ryan, we humbly request that you consider creating tributes to support the family with these contributions devoted to nurturing the dreams and essential needs of the children's future. Ryan worked as the Chief Operating Officer at Silver Creek Lawn Care in Davenport, Iowa, where he was known for his ingenuity dedication, dependability, and generosity. Ryan was a respected mentor and friend to many of his employees. He was particularly gifted at teaching young men to work hard, a talent which he employed in the workplace, on the football field, and in the church. Ryan was a graduate of Moline High School, where he first developed a passion for football. His play time playing as a Moline Maroon created a lifelong interest with yielded valuable life lessons about teamwork perseverance, and dedication. In recent years, he served as an assistant coach for the Moline Junior Maroons football team, and he was a stalwart Nebraska Cornhusker fan. Ryan was a member of Grace Fellowship Church in Davenport, Iowa. He devoted much of his time and energy to serving the needs of others, often with his wife at his side. His warm heart, readiness to serve, and widely diverse set of skills often meant that he was the first person to call for advice and help with just about anything. He was a beloved friend and servant to all. Ryan enjoyed a number of hobbies and was keenly skilled at smoking and grilling meats. He gained much joy from putting this skill to use for his family and friends. Ryan is survived by his loving wife, Stephanie Peterson, their children, Tanner, Madison, Liana, Selah, and Gabriel. He is also survived by his father, Jeff Peterson, his sister and brother-in-law, Emily and Joey Amato, his nieces and nephew, Brooklyn, Everly, and Jameson, his cousin, Lori Ehlers, and his uncle, Mark Peterson. He was preceded in death by his mother, Lori Peterson. Family and friends are invited to share memories and express condolences for the family on his memory page at wentfuneralhome.com. We're going to sing another song, so I invite you to stand as we sing that. It is titled, Christ, Our Hope in Life and Death.
seated. Uh, Pastor Tyler Bolkema is now going to come and speak to us. Four weeks ago, I was going about a normal, laid-back Saturday when I found out that Ryan was missing. It seemed odd at first, and as time went on, I decided to have my wife, who was out running errands, head over to the Petersons to sit with Stephanie. The Peterson kids ended up heading over to our house shortly after, and the lack of response from Ryan continued to have us on edge. I remember pacing the front sidewalk outside of my house, on the phone when I heard the terrible news that he was gone. I regained my composure knowing that I needed to announce <clears throat> to the kids and those watching them inside that I was leaving and would be back. I remember having to put on a face like everything was okay, but in reality I could hardly bear to see their smiling faces knowing the information I had just received. I walked into the Peterson house a few short minutes after the police had shared the information with Stephanie and my wife. The pain that I can see, the pain I was experiencing was like nothing that I had ever faced in my life. The heartache only deepened when Stephanie came back with us to tell the children that their dad had died and wasn't coming home. Ryan and I were fairly close. We saw each other five to seven days a week, worked together, churched together, and shared a love for food and smoking meat to its perfection. I'm sure each of you gathered here knew Ryan in a unique way and had a thankful affection for him in your life. Yet none of us, no matter how close you were to him, could have seen this coming. There remains for each of us a, a disconnect between the person we knew and remember in the pictures you've seen and the man who ended his life. The message which was preached the day after Ryan died has been very useful both for myself and I know for many who have listened. It's linked on the obituary page and I would commend it to you again if you find yourself struggling with how to go forward. How do we deal with the pain in the darkness, and the sorrow of that day, even, even this day, and the days that are to come? How do we handle the heinous evil of death and sin and not be consumed and swallowed up in darkness? This is even more difficult considering the terrible nature of Ryan's passing. The darkness and the evil of suicide needs to be recognized for what it is. It is a wicked and evil thing. It is a sinful action against God and against many others. And in no way should we ever think that it can be rationalized as okay. Abandoning one's wife and children and responsibility and relationships is wrong. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. Death exists because of sin. In the last four weeks, there have been hidden sins discovered that Ryan had kept from everyone for quite a long time. 
the weight of unconfessed, hidden, and secret sin will destroy anyone. Maybe that comes as a surprise or a shock. Maybe that causes you to question everything about the Ryan you knew and the relationship you had with him. And before you or or anyone else goes looking down in anger and in judgment, please consider this. The Bible tells us that there is no one who is good. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God says man's wickedness is great, that every thought of his heart is only evil continually. Left to ourselves, apart from the grace of God, none of us are able to hold our heads high in the sight of God. In fact, imagine with me, if I were to take everything you have ever done, everything you have ever said, or ever even thought, and display it on these projectors for everyone to see, you know just as well as I do, that each of us would be ashamed. The guilt and weight of our sin is too much for anyone to bear. Which of us would not hold our heads in shame and disgrace as we are seen for who we truly are? Therefore, just as Brother Jay encouraged us, whatever, uh, whatever extent you experience things in this world that are lovely, To whatever extent you have things that are good in your relationships, in your marriage, with your children, things that are wonderful, things that are enjoyable in this life, know this. It is God's grace and kindness to you, not anything that you've done to earn or deserve it. Similarly, in whatever ways you experienced good things in your friendship and relationship with Ryan, it is right to thank God For these and to be grateful to him, even in light of the present evil that we face. You cannot safely remain in secret and hidden sin without severe consequences. You must find hope to overcome sin and darkness. Our hope in the midst of the tragedy of death and of sin And of awful evil is God in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. God sent forth his son to this earth as a human, as a man. Our hope in the face of evil and of sin is the death of Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus Christ. If we were to watch the life of the Son of God on this earth, played back on these projectors, just as I asked you to imagine, for each of us, to watch everything about Jesus, as the world and God himself saw it, every action, every word, every thought, it would leave us humbled and awestruck at his absolute perfection and bowing our knees to him as Lord. The only way to deal with this horrendous evil, with the weight of sin, with the pain of death, is the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. Maybe you're a, a professing Christian here today. And you're thinking, amen, but, but how could such a devoted and committed follower of Jesus Christ end his own life? The reality of that question 
is that God's word and Jesus' closest disciples did, in fact, deal with this. There is nothing new under heaven. Here is what we know. God is good. God is just. God is merciful. He will do what is right. He will glorify Christ. He will save all his children and he will be glorified. You need to know, you can trust God with Ryan and with anyone who has breathed their last and leave it at that. But more importantly, you can trust him with your life. You can trust him now with your soul. How do you face the difficulty of this circumstance? It's not by ignoring it. It's not by avoiding it. It's not by drowning out the pain with all the pleasures of this world. There's no amount of alcohol that can wash this away. There's no amount of money that will make it hurt less. There's no drug. There's no video game. There's no sexual pleasure that will bring you healing and hope. Let us not fall into temptation to escape reality. Or to think that we can escape reality just because life and death is so terribly painful to deal with. The most popular psalm for many, Psalm 23, says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It's not around the valley of the shadow of death. It's not ignoring the shadow of death. Through this dark valley, facing the darkness and pain head on, can you say, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. You see, that perfect man, Jesus, who lived a sinless life for 33 years on this earth, He took upon himself the shame and disgrace and guilt of sin. He was cursed by men, condemned to death. He took the weight of sin and was hung upon a tree with nails in his hands and in his feet. He suffered as if he committed every sin. God poured out his righteous hatred for sin and sinners upon his only son. The penalty of death was paid in full by Jesus Christ. He took the place of sinners. He loved you and died upon that cross. And whoever believes will be forgiven of all their sin. Not only that, but he defeated death. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. And God displayed for all the world to see. Sin's consequence had been justly paid for by his son. Satan Sin and death had been defeated by him. This is why Jesus is able to pay for your sin, my sin, your guilt, your shame. He can bury it at the cross. This is how God can forgive you and your sin. And this is also how you can forgive Ryan and not carry the anger and bitterness that can so easily dwell up in your heart towards him. There is hope 
There is freedom that comes even in the midst of great darkness, even in the face of evil, even in the face of death. We are all weak. There is no one who is able, no one who can handle this circumstance in their own strength. Acknowledge your weakness before God. Confess your failures and sins and allow the light of Christ to shine on your life and bring you out of darkness. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. 4.6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The God who spoke and brought forth light out of darkness is the God who spoke and brought you into existence. And he has spoken in his word, the Bible. Know this. As sure as the sun is rising over our heads, as sure as you and I sit and stand here looking at each other, be assured, God will hold you accountable to all that is written here. There is no argument you can make with God. There's no other plea that will be accepted. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is a coming resurrection of the dead. As sure as the sun will rise tomorrow, as sure as you and I exist, God will raise each and every person who has lived and died on this earth to a never-ending existence. That body will be changed from, from this one, from the one that we have. And you and I will stand before God to give account, to answer to God for all we have ever spoken. Every action and every thought will be judged perfectly by Him. You will either be judged for your evil and your sin that you committed and sent into hell for an eternal death of wrath and misery and punishment, or you will be forgiven because of the death and life of Jesus Christ and welcomed into heaven for an eternal life of love and joy and peace. How do we face the evil and the darkness of sin? How do, we, how do we go forward in the midst of this awful, terrible crisis? I want you to imagine with me for a moment um, that you're taking everything evil, everything dark, sin, Satan, hell, death. Uh, take all the powers of this world. Set them against God and the light of Jesus Christ. Bring sin and death, bring everything against the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And it is like a mosquito buzzing and flying at the base of Mount Everest. See, your problem, my problem, is that we have too great a view of evil and sin and too small a view of Christ and His life and His death and His resurrection. The hope that we have, the hope that you can have, is in and through Jesus Christ. It's in His name that you can trust. It's in His name that you can be forgiven. 
He is the light that shines in the midst of our darkness. He is the hope that we have for a resurrection. Let's pray. Father, in the midst of this, we know that you have said that Christ will overcome darkness. That you have overwhelmed the grave. That he is risen. Lord, help us to look to the light and the hope of Christ. It's in his name that we do pray. Amen. And we will sing, and can it be? Stand again, we will sing, and can it be?
It is an amazing love. How can it be that he would die? My name is Mike Reed, and I'm one of the pastors at Elders at Grace Fellowship Church. I've had the, the great blessing to have known Ryan as a dear friend whom I love great, greatly for the past seven-plus years. Everyone who knew Ryan and we've heard today knew him to be full of energy, full of life, full of opinions. He was always quick to have a discussion about the things of life, from carnivore diets to Husker football to the best way to cook ribs. One of the topics that Ryan most often discussed with the most amount of passion was his view on heaven and hell and eternal life in Christ. He was always ready to have that discussion. I was at the visitation. Somebody came through the line and told me how, how Ryan had impacted his life so much with challenging him with what he believed in his, in his professed Christian faith. Uh, you're, you, Ryan isn't here today. Uh, Ryan Shell is here, but Ryan isn't here. But I'm going to represent Ryan in that conversation. And, and if Ryan were here, I can assure you, like the inside of your bulletin said, he would be telling you, don't miss heaven. In Hebrews 9, 27, it says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Ryan has experienced this reality. Just as everyone in here, everyone ever born at some point will experience the same reality. We will breathe our last and we will stand before God and God, God will judge us. He will judge us on whether we will be in heaven for all eternity or for hell. So I, I want to help prepare you for that time this morning. That time that you will die and you will stand before God in judgment. Most people in here know John 3.16. It's something we've heard lots in our culture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God gave his only son. God the Father sent God the Son. God the Son was born of a woman, Mary, of a virgin, and, and he lived as a human being. God the Son came to live as a man. God the Father gave his Son to live on this earth for 33 years in perfection, fulfilling the law. Never sinning once in thought, word, or deed. And then, at the hands of men in the provident plan of God, he went to a cross. And he died a sinner's death, and he never had sinned one time in his life, and yet he went to the cross to take on the anger of man, but more importantly, he went to take on the wrath of his Father in heaven. And he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God gave his Son to live a perfectly sinless life, and then to die on a cross to take the punishment that everyone who would believe in him deserves. He did not come, he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world's already condemned. People are already condemned. 
As Pastor Tyler was talking about, if we flashed everything up on that screen that you've ever done in thought or word or you've actually done, you would be ashamed. I would be ashamed and I would run out of here in shame. I was condemned. God sent his son that whoever believes into him would not perish but have everlasting life. When these bodies die, these souls will live forever. We're made in the image of God with a soul that will live forever. And that soul will not perish in hell if they have believed into, if you have believed into Christ. Verse 18 of John 3. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And then we go down to John 3, 36. It says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. The things that I just said before, whoever believes in the Son believes that God the Father sent his Son, God himself, to come to live as a man, to live a perfectly sinless life, and to die on a cross to pay for the sins of those who would put their faith and trust. If you believe that, if you believe in the Son for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will have eternal life, Zoe, eternal life in heaven. Where there's no more, no more sin. There's no pain or sorrow or suffering or tears. But it says this in John 3.36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Anyone in here has put their faith and trust in Christ has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son, whoever does not believe in the Son shall not see life. Rather, the wrath of God remains on him. Now, what does that verse actually tell us? It tells us that the wrath of God remains on him. See, if this is the wrath of God, when did I put this on? In my mother's womb. This I was born with, the wrath of God, because I was a sinner, born in sin, and I sinned. From my very early years, my mother didn't have to teach me to be generous, she had to teach me not to be selfish. I was born with this, the wrath of God upon me. And if I don't believe in the Son, it remains on me. Don't, all of sin and fall short of the glory, there's the glory of God. No one in here, in and of themselves, can stand before a holy God righteous. Every one of us are under his wrath, rightly deserved. And if you don't obey the Son, the wrath of God remains on you. I don't care how much you try to clean your life up. I don't care how generous you try to be. I don't care how often you go to church. I don't care if you're Pastor Tim. If all you've done is works to try to get this thing off, it ain't coming off. The only way the wrath of God comes off is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then it is removed. But if you do not put your faith and trust in Christ, this wrath of God remains on you. This is the gospel. This is the good news that God so loved the world, he sent his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't come to judge the world. He didn't come to condemn the world because the world's already condemned. He came to save sinners like you and me. 
But make no mistake, don't believe something different. The wrath of God is on everyone that does not have their faith and trust in Christ. You're not born pure and then become dirty. You know you're not without sin. I know I'm not without sin. Be honest with yourself. Pastor Tyler gave you the complete gospel. You've, you've heard the gospel from me. There is no one in here right now in this moment that is ignorant of the reality. You may deny it. You may disagree with it, but you are not ignorant. Ignorant means without knowledge. You know what you've been told is that you are under the wrath of God unless you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and believe that he was God and live without sin, rose from the dead, ascended now and sits in heaven. You know that. And if you don't believe that, you will die under the wrath of God. Acts 17.30 says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Repent, metanoia, have a change of mind that leads a change of direction. To repent, to see your sin, the sin that would be gross if it were up there. To see that sin for the sin that it is, turn from it in contrition toward God, seeking mercy in and through Jesus Christ. He has commanded everyone to repent. I'm commanding you this morning, if you have not believed on Christ, I'm commanding you to repent. Turn from your sin Turn to Christ, turn to God through Christ and live. Do not think you can stay in your sin and stand before God and not face the judgment. What must you do? You must repent. You must see your sinfulness. You must turn from it. You must understand the heinousness of your sin against a holy God. You might say, well, I'm not that bad. I'm better than the guy sitting next to me. The standard is not the guy sitting next to you. The standard is not me for sure. The standard is not Pastor Tim. The standard is God himself. The standard is perfection. Anyone in here perfect? Then you need Christ. When you, when you deny that you're a sinner and you believe that God is not righteous for putting these standards upon you, you will stand before him and you will plead that and you will be sent to hell. The only way you're going to go to heaven is you stand before God at that day of judgment. The only way Ryan is in heaven today is if he stood before God and pled Christ. When Paul was standing before King Agrippa on his way to Rome to see Caesar Augustus, he was given a chance to tell his testimony, give his story to King Agrippa, the king of the Jews. And in this, he tells of his salvation on the road to Damascus. And then he calls Agrippa to faith in Christ. This king of the Jews, one of the kings of the Jews, he's telling him, no, your religion's wrong. He calls him to faith in Christ. To be saved from the wrath of God. Acts 26, 28. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? Listen, I want you to know something. It's been a short time I've been up here. It is my desire to persuade you to be a Christian. That's the only reason I'm standing here right now, is to persuade you to be a Christian. And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you also who hear me this day might be because such as I am, except for these chains, except for the fact that I'm, in, I'm, I'm arrested and going to, to uh, 
Rome to be tried, except for that. Be as I am, Paul says. Be a Christian, Agrippa. Turn from your sin and put your faith and trust in Christ. Know that you're a sinner. Quit lying to yourself and saying you're not that bad, you're that bad. You can't see the title of the message. The title of the message is persuading you to be a Christian. That's my charge this morning. If you're not a Christian, I'm here to command you to repent and believe on Christ before it's too late. Turn from your sin. Look to Christ. It was, it was Paul's hope that day that everyone who heard him speak would put their faith and trust in Christ. That is, that is my hope today as well. It's the only hope I have is in Christ for me, for you, for anyone. Stand before you today wanting you to be as I am. Not as I am in my sin, not as I am in my humanity, as I am in Christ, a forgiven, blood-bought sinner who Christ came to this earth, lived as a man without sin, and died a horrible death. He then was buried in a tomb and he rose from the dead and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, reigning. Be like me. Be in Christ. I beg you. I plead with you. See your sin for what it is. I don't care if your only sin is I stole cookies or I lied to my parents or your sin is you're a serial adulterer. Christ died for those sins. And the weight of unconfessed sin is death. Eternal death. If we don't confess that sin before God and turn to, turn to him through Christ for salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Pastor Ty gave us a picture of, mm, I don't know which mountain, whatever mountain he said in the mosquito. This is our sin. Our sins, they are many and they're lots. But God's mercy in and through Jesus Christ is far more. There is no sin that Christ didn't die for if you'll believe in him. You sit here today as a sinner, turn to Christ and live. Let's stand and sing. His mercy is more. His mercy is more.
Father, we thank you that your mercy is more. Father, we, we know that your mercy is greater than any of our sins and all of our sins. And all of those are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ for those of us who would put our faith and trust in him, turning away from our sins, turning toward you, Father, in Christ, with a new mind and a new direction that we would live for your glory and for Christ's sake, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now may the God of peace grant you perfect peace and a living hope and abundant grace and steadfast love with faith through Jesus Christ our Lord until the day breaks and the darkness flees away. You are dismissed.